Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition, the better late than never edition of the, the uh, Boneyard. I apologize for being late today. It's just been one of those days. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that it's been difficult to get going, and it seems like every time I turn around, there's a, a new phone call or an email to answer, and, and uh, just haven't had a chance to kind of get any traction today. 
but here I am. We began our day in Starkville with a flash flood warning, and it, was just, it seems like the day has just been out of sorts ever since. Hope that everybody's okay. And a little traveling tip for you college kids that listen to the show. Do not ever drive your vehicle into standing water when water is going to pass over the hood of said vehicle. In the event you have to do that, please do not take your foot off the accelerator and stop and then thus pull water into your vehicle via the exhaust pipe. It's just uh, it's one of those things you learn in life. But uh, as we were kind of making our way to school this morning, I saw a lot of uh, of college-age kids kind of panicking a little bit and uh, probably doing some uh, damage to their vehicle. So again, if you don't have to get out and flash floods, don't. I still don't understand why 182 and, and uh, Jackson Street right there together, the uh, that intersection was so incredibly full of water. It was like uh, something out of Lake Pontchartrain. Be that as it may, it's a good day in Starkville now. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, two locations now to serve you. So many of you have been so overwhelmingly supportive of the decision to open a location in Tupelo. Had several great reviews there. And listen, the best is yet to come. They're still kind of working the kinks out there, but apparently they've impressed you guys right out of the gate. Bulldog Burger Company is a place where you can go find a great restaurant-quality hamburger. There's not one like it around. Uh, I, I, can, I can personally attest to that. I've tried them all. And uh, maybe you should take the Bulldog Boneyard Burger Challenge. I've eaten every one of them on the menu. They do change it from time to time, and so uh, that's always exciting. I love to have something new. Again, the current favorite is DeLorean. You can find your own. Go have the spring rolls. Bulldog Burger Company, a place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So our top story today, from the SEC teleconference, Joe Moorhead was asked a question by legendary Arkansas reporter Bob Holt, who uh, is kind of known on the teleconference as being the guy that kind of I don't know if he just has a uh, has a need to ask you know kind of a silly question, but he uh, is one of those people that's kind of known for for that sort of stuff. But he asked a pretty poignant question today, and he asked Joe Moorhead directly, kind of about you know his job security, and said, "Hey, you know, Joe, you know, do you feel like that you're coaching uh, you know for your job already here in just year two at Mississippi State?" And Joe uh, really didn't hesitate. I guess maybe he was prepped for the possibility of that. He said, yeah, I haven't heard any of those things from anyone here at Mississippi State. So I'm worried about making sure we put these kids in a good position to be successful this week. That's what you'd expect a coach to say. I mean, even if he had heard that, I don't think he'd come out and say, hey, you know, we've had some discussions here, whatever. Uh, But that that was his answer. He goes a little bit deeper, and he says, you know, people are entitled to their opinions and what they think is reality, and I'm I'm entitled to mine as well. Then he gets into some stuff about the offense, about you know, kind of simplifying things, and we've heard some of that from Garrett Schrader that you know in the second half of that ball game at A&M, he kind of simplified some things, and the offense kind of began to click a little bit. But he says, I hate to simplify it to this manner, but it's what you sign up for. But part of the reason for taking jobs like this, is amidst other opportunities, I wanted to gauge myself and compete against the best of the best here in the SEC. So you know going into it when you're coaching against the great coaches in the conference and the recruiting aspect of it as well, it's going to be a grind every single day. On the field and off the field, the margin of error is going to be very small. And the praise when you do well is going to be high, and the criticism when you perform poorly is going to be harsh. 
a little bit later, he went on to say, and this is one of the things that I think a lot of people are kind of responding to. So I'm excited about what we did last year. I'm excited about the current state. I'm excited about the future of our program. So that's where I'm at. If it was any better, if, if I was any better, there would be two of me. I don't think a lot of Mississippi State fans kind of shared that sentiment about being excited about the current state of the program. Now, you guys know that I am a supporter of Mississippi State and every coach that uh, is employed here at Mississippi State, but I do my best to call it as I see it. And so last year was a year that we finished a little bit less than we expected. A lot of us expected us to go out there and and compete and really challenge Alabama for supremacy in the SEC West. We knew we had a playmaker at quarterback. We felt like we had a defensive unit that could compete with anybody nationally, and and that that proved to be the case. It wasn't a great fit with Nick Fitzgerald and, and Joe Moorhead, but what's interesting now is that now in year two, we're running a lot of the same elements with Garrett Schrader that we did with Nick Fitzgerald, but I believe Garrett is probably a little bit ahead of where Nick was as a freshman passer, probably even a little bit later into Nick's career. I think Nick his junior year was uh, was pretty good. But uh, we're running a running style quarterback, and that was one of the things that's that is kind of interesting to me is that you know that Nick was, that was the, the talk is that you know Nick was really kind of a run first quarterback. We wanted to have a pass first quarterback. I don't know if that's what we have with Garrett Schrader. I think that's what will develop over time. But I don't think anybody out when you look at our program now, outside of the fact that you look at Garrett Schrader and say, you know, this kid's got some star quality about him, I don't know that anybody you would say is excited about where we are. I think we're excited about where we want to be. And right now there's a lot of unrest and some angst about where we are, especially after the ball game last week. And you know, it's been a four game losing streak, and that's what this team needs more than anything else is a win. This fan base needs a win. These players need a win. They probably need it worst of all. These coaches need a win. These administrators need a win. Mississippi State needs to go out this weekend and win a football game. you got Abilene Christian next weekend, so all of a sudden you begin to think, if we could win this weekend, have a two-game winning streak heading into the Egg Bowl, then we have some juice. We've got some mojo. We've got a chance to kind of still reach a bowl game despite the fact that we've had some um, – you know, some losses that we weren't anticipating. That's what this ball game boils down to. It's as simple as that. The season kind of hangs in the balance this weekend. And listen, it's not going to be the season that many of us expected it to be. I think just about everybody in the media picked it to be an 8-4 and four year, and we said, you know, there's probably they'll probably be somewhere around 7-5 and five because they'll probably drop a game we're not expecting. Well, they dropped a couple of games that we weren't expecting, and so now the best we can hope for in the regular season, barring a, an upset of the ages of Alabama, is a 6-6 six and six year. Considering that some of the things that have taken place this year, uh, there have been some challenges that have been a real issue that are not necessarily football-related that have bled over and impact, negatively impacted the football program, as you guys are well aware. There have been some injuries, and there have been the Tudorgate scandal, and and I think in hindsight, we look back on, on every bit of that, and I think, you know, had we known six months ago how severe the suspensions would have been, probably would have had a different outlook on the season. That's one of the things I think is important is to remember that many of us, not just folks in the media, but many of us that cheer for Mississippi State, we set our expectations not knowing who was involved with the, the Tudor Gate stuff. We'd heard Willie Gay was involved. Uh, 
we didn't know the full extent of it. We, I, I'll be honest with you, up until a couple of weeks before the, the ruling came down, I did not expect it to be 10 players for eight games. I have a source who I won't reveal his name. I have a gentleman that shared with me a couple of weeks ahead of time. He goes, hey, Steve, I'm hearing it's going to be as many as 10 players and as many as eight games, and he nailed it. Clearly, he had a little bit better source on this than many of the rest of us did. The thing that we were told leading into that, you know, privately, is that, well, you know, that there's going to be some players, mainly redshirt freshmen, non-contributors, guys that are special teams guys, and there will be a couple of starters. There will be a couple of starters. I think in hindsight, maybe we undersold the severity of those penalties. But it is what it is. Despite every bit of that, I believe Mississippi State at this point should still be in better position. We should not be three and five right now. And I know there are those out there that uh, that are always on the positive side of things and said, hey, you know what, Steve, that Kansas State loss doesn't look so bad in hindsight now that they've beat Oklahoma. I disagree. I think Mississippi State was the better team on the field and we played Kansas State and we gave the football game away. That's how I feel. I don't feel any better about that Kansas State loss because football is about matchups. It's like when people say, well, well, this team only got X number of yards against that team. You know, that doesn't mean anything when it comes to what you're going to do against that team. You, you can't get into that. It's all about matchups. It's about personnel. And Mississippi State was a good matchup for Kansas State. Once we survived that early punch, Garrett Schrader comes back and gives Mississippi State a fourth quarter lead. You simply have to get off the field. you got to make a play. We weren't able to make the play. We lose the ball game. You make a tackle on special teams, you win the game. It rarely comes down to one play, but in hindsight, that game, it boiled down to one play. We go up to Tennessee. I don't think we respected them. I think we went up there. We went through the motions. And uh, Tommy Stevens had an awful game. And that's the last time you've seen Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens, I, I really thought in that second quarter that a couple of those interceptions were, were about as bad as I have seen in recent years at Mississippi State. They were awful. They were not at all indicative of the ability that Tommy Stevens showed earlier in the season. So what that tells me is that he was a lot more injured than we were kind of led to believe. And I I am certain, as I've said on this show before, I am certain that Tommy probably withheld a little bit of the pain because he understood, you know what, this is my last rodeo. I will play through it. I will figure it out. And ultimately it cost the team. By the time Garrett Schrader got in the ball game, it seemed like, you know what, that we were, we were having a tough time getting anything going. Once we scored the touchdown, I kind of thought to myself, we're going to go on and win the ball game. We're, as bad as we have played, we will find a way to steal this ball game. And you know what? We should have. But again, we couldn't get that stop defensively. And that's not to be negative, but I thought the defense actually played pretty well that day. You give up that one long drive, and that ends up being the difference in the game. You make a tackle there on third down, you get off the field, you get the ball back, you probably go in and score. But those two ball games, regardless of the Tudor Gate stuff, you know, regardless of the injuries, we should have won those two games. We should have beat Kansas State, we should have beat Tennessee. But the reality of it is we did not. We didn't win those games. And so now, now here we sit at three and five. An opportunity to go on the road to play against an Arkansas team that uh it's not very good. Matter of fact, I would come out and say that they're 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 bad. They're really bad. They've had their moments at times this year. They played pretty well against A and M and Dallas. 
on a neutral field. They didn't play well against Auburn. They didn't play well against Alabama. But you know what? Not a lot of people do. Arkansas's quarterback situation is worse than, than just about anybody in the conferences right now. We're going to get into a lot more of that on Friday. Some of the big discussions on on Monday and Tuesday were about what Chad Morris had to say. Chad Morris made a comment that I believe was kind of taken out of context. And I, I really think that's more of an indictment on the media uh, than it is Chad Morris. And uh, I'm going to read you exactly what he said. Chad Morris, and I, I transcribe this every week. I run through this every week because I think it's important that you guys kind of know what the opposition is saying about it. Sometimes we get players, sometimes we don't. But Chad said, first of all, we're going to win this football game this week. And whoever we feel like is the best opportunity for us to win that game is first and foremost who we're going with. I don't know that, I don't know that right now at this point, but I do know that all options are on the table. We would love to have an opportunity to get some more of our younger guys in at times, but we're going to win a football game, and that's our approach. Now, I don't necessarily consider myself a master of the King's English. I don't. But watching the press conference and watching his body language and watching how he articulated those things, I don't take that as that he was calling his shot. I know there are some self-loathing Mississippi State fans they're like, oh, look how far we've fallen that Chad Morris from Arkansas is uh, you know, talking trash about us. You know, he and I think Chad has kind of been unfairly uh, characterized through this whole thing because, you know, not that I owe anything of Chad Morris. I don't think that was his, his intention. I don't think that he's trying to fire up his team. I don't think he's guaranteeing a win. I've read some of that. But I think that's been taken out of context. Arkansas is a team that is struggling in a major way. There's a lot of discussion that K.J. Jefferson of North Panola might see his first action this weekend. And, and one of my sources in northwest Arkansas shares with me that he's heard that K.J. Jefferson's been taking some reps with the ones. That would be awfully interesting. If you're an Arkansas supporter, and thank goodness that I'm not, they, have, uh, they went out and signed two grad transfer quarterbacks this year. Two. And here they are, late in the season, already with a uh, two and six record. You know, still mathematically in the deal for uh, bowl eligibility. When you look at the, the games they have remaining, and you realize they'd have to win out in order to do that. But uh, they go out and they say sign Ben Higgs from SMU, and that's Chad Morris's guy, right? He's supposed to know Chad Morris's system. And you go get Nick Starkle. He's a guy that played at A&M, lost the job to Kellen Mond. And uh, they both come in and they compete. And now here you are in November, and you're you're having to uh, to look at starting a true freshman. That is one of those things you look at and you think, you know, how, how does this happen? And so while Joe Moorhead has, has endured some, some criticism, and, and much of it is deserved, but there are some of it's been unfair, when you look at this deal with Chad Morris, you say, okay, Chad, yes, you went and got your guy. Not only did you get your guy, you got another guy. You got a guy with SEC experience from Texas A&M, a guy that's played in the SEC West. You got a guy that's had some, you know, Jimbo Fisher, QB whispering type coaching. 
And so you go out and get two grad transfer quarterbacks. You run our guy off in Ty Story, and now we're going to play a true freshman? So how does that really inspire confidence in the direction of that program? And I think we can all – I think it's pretty safe to assume if Mississippi State wins this weekend, and, man, my gosh, hopefully they will. It's a shame that we're having to sweat that out, but we are. If Mississippi State wins this weekend, there is a real good chance that Chad Morris is going to go 0-16 his first two years at Arkansas. And then when you begin to to look at all the evidence, as this stuff begins to kind of mount up, you say, okay, well, are we moving in the right direction? It's pretty safe to say no. That's why it makes this whole thing with Mississippi State all much more important for the Bulldogs. You're looking for a team that's in, uh, you know, in desperate need of a win. Mississippi State's there. Arkansas is in the same situation, but they're playing at home with less talent. You have to go win this football game. It's as simple as that. Mississippi State has to find a way to go win this football game. There are many people that believe that Arkansas is the worst team in the Southeastern Conference. And I think when you look at the fact that Derek Mason and Vanderbilt upset Missouri, it's a pretty easy argument to make. You know, Vanderbilt, you know, many of us watched Vanderbilt play against Ole Miss. They were awful. They were absolutely awful. They couldn't get out of their own way. There are times watching Arkansas, they look completely lost. Now, everybody looks a little bit lost against Alabama. And to be fair, Auburn puts a lot of stress on the defense. They really do. You know, Nix is a guy that's kind of working his way through. But, uh, you know, I don't expect a team like Arkansas with their young corners to be able to really compete against a team like Auburn. And they didn't. But I'm sure Arkansas, I'm sure Chad Morris privately is telling his guys, you know what, this is a game we can win. And he made a comment, I thought, on, on uh, Monday that was rather interesting. He goes, hey, we knew – we knew that we had some these last couple opponents. We knew we were just going to be trying to get better. That's kind of the words to that effect. Basically, kind of admitting, you know what? We didn't expect to win those games. This is, and he says, this is a ball game that we expect to come home. And I guess I'll just read you the quote there because uh, somebody asked him specifically about you know, last year Mississippi State won the ball game fifty-two to six, and it's you know a revenge, a motivating factor. Listen, if you're a competitor at all, of course it's going to be a motivating factor. But it's a different team. It's a different team. It kind of does different things. You have different strengths and you run different schemes and sort of stuff at times. And so, but Chad kind of dodged the question a bit. He says, it's an opportunity, first of all, to come back home. We knew that the two opponents that we had just played and we had to continue to focus on getting better. And that's where I comment where I think he's basically saying we knew we couldn't win. To come back home and play in front of our home crowd Saturday afternoon is motivating enough. I don't believe any of that. I don't, I don't believe that for one second. You look at Mississippi State, and we traveled down there last year. It didn't go like we planned, and everybody in this building knows what happened. That's the way of him saying, you know what, we got embarrassed last year. We owe those guys. I think these guys are going to be motivated to get back in here and just to continue to get better and continue to build. I don't believe any of that either. I think every bit of that is coach speak. I am confident they have probably shown the highlights of that ball game of Mississippi State just destroying Arkansas last year on loop in the football complex this week. And if they haven't, it's a shame on Chad Morris because he certainly should. Mississippi State absolutely dominated that ball game last year. 
I don't think Mississippi State is, an, is a good enough team to take anybody for granted at this point. And so I asked Cowan Hill a little bit about that last last night. So Cowan, you know, thinking about last year, you know, how do how do you feel about that? And, you know, I think he he kind of gets it that last year means nothing. Last year means absolutely nothing. We're a different team. They're a different team. Those are things that I look at. You know, it's like it would be easy for State to be a little bit complacent, but I think they have been humbled a little bit this year, and they kind of realize that uh, they're not good enough to overlook anybody because if they were the team that they should be, they should have run right through Kansas State, they should have run right through Tennessee, and should be sitting right here at 5-3 and three right now. Should be, but they're not. Not to mention, if you're, let's say you're 5-2 and two headed down to Texas A&M, you feel a lot different about yourself. Get a little more confidence in yourself. It's more of a toss-up game. It didn't feel like a toss-up game. This game shouldn't be a toss-up game, but I think a lot of people see it as one. And I think it's going to boil down to Mississippi State getting off to a good start or not. You know, State has dominated this series for pretty much m- much of the last decade. Going back to 2012, Mississippi State has lost one game, and it took a case of sermonitis for us to lose that one. State has won six of the last seven against Arkansas. State has not lost in Fayetteville since 2003. Now, we played some games in Little Rock that we got beat in. But it's been a long time since we've gone up there and lost. And that, that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. But looking at this, going back to 2012, State wins 45-14 in Starkville. 2013, it's a 24-17 ball game in Fayetteville. 2014, a 17-10 ball game. You remember that one? That's the number one game. That's the Fred Ross game, right? That's the Will Redmond game. And then in 2015, we went in Fayetteville 51-50. That's the Benique West Brown block field goal game. That's the game where Dak Prescott and Brandon Allen put on an absolute show and Hunter Henry and Jeremy Sprinkle became the things of nightmare. Then we lose in 2016 here 58-42. Nick Fitzgerald probably put up SEC Player of the Week numbers, but because Peter Sermon uh, didn't know how to adjust, didn't know how to call plays, Arkansas never had to punt. That, that's, that's how that game is labeled. Remember that game Arkansas played and never had to punt? That's the one. 2017, we win that game 28-21. The thing about that game, too, and I've learned some things about that I want to share with you because I think it's important. I had somebody share with me with knowledge of the situation that after Mississippi State lost to Alabama that year in 2017, Dan Mullen made a decision, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and make a move. And there was pretty much a deal in principle already made with Tennessee. So what they did, and everybody kind of suspected that Mississippi State kind of slept walked through that ball game. I was told that the staff at Mississippi State had already been told, hey, it looks like we're headed to Tennessee. And so you wonder why we showed up and kind of slept walked through that ball game. I think it's pretty pretty apparent we weren't ready to go play football. Dan Mullen had, uh, had you know, had some conversations uh, through his agent with, with John Curry at Tennessee. And when you look in hindsight, people wonder why that Tennessee coaching search went so awry, why they look so flat-footed. It's because they thought they had their guy. They didn't need to continue to look and interview candidates because they pretty much had a deal in place with Dan Mullen. 
And so then Florida gets involved, and then Dan Mullen is, is gone and, and taken off the table. And then all of a sudden, John Curry has got to go scurrying, pardon the pun, to find somebody to uh, to handle all this. And and so Tennessee ends up uh, in a free-for-all, costs Curry his job. Uh, Phil Fulmer takes over, ends up hiring Jeremy Pruitt. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, it all makes sense. And there's the FOI documents to prove all that, that John Curry and Dan Mullen were in, were in contact prior to the end of the season. Dan Mullen was uh, was setting up an opportunity to, to take a plane to Knoxville after the Egg Bowl to have an in-pace, uh, in-person, in-face, in-person, face-to-face, pardon me if I can get it out, meeting with John Curry on Friday. And then Wednesday... You know, Florida, of course, comes back around. Dan Mullen was uh, was angling for that job. And it appeared that Scott Strickland wasn't going to hire him. And we, we had been told in media for weeks that Florida would not pursue Dan Mullen. Well, then Chip Kelly backs out on him. You know, we, they thought they had a deal, and Chip Kelly uh, doesn't take the job. Scott Frost doesn't take the job. They come back around to Dan Mullen. Had to go back to him. You're kind of on their hands and knees. Said, "Hey, Dan," and I think they would say it's worked out. They're certainly a relevant team in this conference once again. But we show up at Fayetteville that day, and we're not ready to play. And we weren't ready to play. It's because our coaching staff already had a foot out the door. We get down in that ball game, and we were good enough to come back and win, 28-21. We didn't play well. We went over there. We had the muff punt. We had uh, the fumble in the end zone. We gifted them 21 points. But we were good enough offensively and good enough defensively to come back despite the fact that we didn't play well to win the ball game. Then, you know, Brett's out the door. A new era in Arkansas rolls in. And they show up here last year and got absolutely smashed in that ball game. Absolutely smashed in the ball game. I think it's one of those things you look at too, and you think, okay, we expected to win the game. We didn't expect fifty-two to six, but that's what we got. Those are things you look at and say, okay, Mississippi State should probably feel pretty good about matching up personnel-wise with Arkansas. I don't think Mississippi State at this point can take anything for granted. I feel like they're in a position right now where they think, hey, we can just show up and win because that approach has not worked out well for Mississippi State this year. Taking a quick look at last year's game, but just, you know, some of the highlights of that. You know, the game was pretty much in, you know, trending Mississippi State's way at halftime. State with a 17-3 lead and then a 21-point third quarter essentially removed all doubt. Nick Fitzgerald with a huge ball game. Nick Fitzgerald just 9 of 14 passing for four touchdowns, 127 yards. Eris Williams runs for 100 yards. Fitz runs for 85 yards. Nick Gibson ran for 48. You know, so you had a good ball game. Colin didn't play in that ball game. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles things this, this go-around. Because, you know, Arkansas has been a little bit susceptible to uh, the run. 
you can expect to see John Stephen Jones probably at some point, too. That's Jerry Jones' grandson. A little bit down the depth chart there to Arkansas, but at this point, all options on the table. All options on the table. Looking at the Arkansas depth chart, they're a young team. They're still trying to figure some things out. They've had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. There are three senior offensive linemen that they expected to be major contributors, and a couple of those guys are out. One guy has given up the game. Austin Caps is a senior left guard. He is questionable for the ball game. But you run up and down this, this offensive scheme here, guys, there are just two seniors on this offense, the starting 11, just two. One of those being tied in O'Grady Cheyenne, redshirt senior. You've seen him around a little bit. But if Austin Caps can't go, then that means another underclassman's got to step up and play. Kind of a young group. Defensively, again, a young group. You're looking up and down here, the uh, Greg Brooks, former Mississippi State commitment Greg Brooks, Jr., who um, you know, wasn't much of a surprise to, to most of us late, but he kind of played the game and flipped to Arkansas late in the process. Uh, you know, he, he is a guy that has been targeted somebody as a freshman. Played some at the nickel, but uh, they're young. Got a couple sophomore corners. Uh, got a sophomore free safety. Cameron Curl, former corner, is playing the strong safety position. You know, McTelvin Agam is a guy that has been around forever and a day. He, he's a disruptor. You know, he's a guy that you got to really pay attention to. Uh, T.J. Smith, another guy, got, got some, some ability. Colin Hill mentioned Dejon Harris, the number eight, the uh, middle linebacker. He's a good player. But this has not been a great rush defense. This has not been a great defense. And, and listen, we can kind of sit in judgment of them, but Mississippi State has had their moments too where they haven't been a great defense. Looking at some of these numbers, uh, you know, for Arkansas, just kind of run down who they have here. Before, and before we do that, let me remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole group there will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. You can get the latest and greatest Maroon and White fashions from them. You can find great items for your home, office, RV, pet, whatever you want. Anything Maroon and White, you can find it. If you can't make it to town, visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. That's BSR which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And Mom, let me go ahead and tell you, Dad and all the kids want new Mississippi State clothing for Christmas. They, they do. They want those pajama bottoms. They want the hoodies. They want anything Mississippi State related. And after we win that Egg Bowl, yeah, I said it. After we win that Egg Bowl, they're going to want that Egg Bowl shirt. They're going to want that Mississippi State merchandise to wear back after Thanksgiving break to kind of prance around a little bit. Let's go ahead and get on the game, Mom. So looking here at Arkansas, you know, Nick Starkle has been their leading passer this year. Uh, 93 of 169, good for just 55%, 1,118 yards, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. You heard that right, 10 interceptions. Sacked just three times. Ben Hicks has played. He is 60 of 119 for just over 50% for 692 
uh, seven touchdowns against the one interception, sacked ten times. Ten times. Quarterback situation is not good at Arkansas. They're going to have an opportunity, obviously, to uh, to get Raheem Boyd going. You know, Raheem Boyd's a very talented player. Uh, arguably their best offensive player. I think most people would support that that discussion. They're going to try to run the football. Mississippi State has not been great against the run. They haven't been very good throwing the football. They've got a couple running backs and Raheem Boyd and uh, Devil Wiley that they're going to they're going to run. Those guys have combined to rush just under a thousand yards. Boyd uh, seven hundred and six yards, five touchdowns. Wiley with two hundred forty two yards, three touchdowns. He you know, he's the bigger, beefier guy. Boyd's their big play guy. That's what we'll expect to see. They've got some young receivers they feel really good about. Trey Knox being probably that's the one. I think most people will expect him to be a star in this league. They like him, and they should. Mike Woods, another guy. Trey Knox, 26 catches, 357 yards, a couple touchdowns. Mike Woods, 24 catches, 319 yards, a couple touchdowns. Trey Knox, number seven out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, playing as a freshman. It's a good get for Arkansas. They're expecting big things from him. Traylon Burks, also a freshman, Warren, Arkansas. They're expecting big things out of him. Mike Woods, sophomore out of Magnolia, Texas, number eight. It's a guy you got to look for, especially against this banged up Mississippi State secondary. We got some issues. We got some issues on defense. Defensively, number eight, DeJon Harris is the leading tackler with 63 tackles. Cameron Curl, we mentioned, made the move to safety, 59 tackles. Bumper Poole, we'll put him on the all-name team. Linebacker Bumper Poole, that's an interesting concept. That's got to be a nickname, has to be. 54 tackles, fourth leader, leading tackler on the team. Uh, McTelvin Agam, 27 tackles, five sacks, which leads the team. Guy's been a disruptor his entire career and hasn't had a lot of support around him. You know what I'm saying? He's just one of those guys that just makes plays. Even when, you know, when it seems like you have the momentum, he finds a way to get in there and make things happen. But, again, this is not a great defensive unit. This is a, this is a team you should be able to make some plays against. Mississippi State has been very salty on defense in 17 and 18, the number one scoring defense. Uh, most of those two years, State currently 73rd in the country in team defense, allowing 402 yards a game. Arkansas down at 89. 89 allowing 418 yards a game. So comparable defense, State's a little bit ahead. A little bit ahead. And to be fair, uh, State's played LSU. Arkansas's played Alabama. So you've got at this, this point in the season, it's not about quality of competition because everybody's had an opportunity to play uh, some really good teams. This is not one of those deals where you look at and say, all right, one team's going to have a decided advantage. I, I just don't believe that's the case. I think Mississippi State has got to go out there and play with their heads on fire and play like their season depends on it because it does. I, I think I think that's one thing we can all agree on. There's two things I think Mississippi State folks can agree on. Garrett Schrader is a star in the making. Mississippi State has to win this weekend. State currently 63rd in the country in rush defense. It seems like it should be a lot worse than that. That's how it feels. You know what I'm saying? It feels like it's worse than that. But it, but it's really not. 
you know, some of that's because they've been able to have some success. You know, LSU was a team that, you know, likes to uh, likes to throw it around a little bit. Wasn't quite as uh, explosive against us as I think many people expect them to be. But, uh, you know, they put up some good numbers. They, they did put up some good numbers. And, you know, John Chavis will have some wrinkles defensively to try to confuse Garrett Schrader. There's been some of that. There are a lot of people that put, you know, that they'll run some scheme out there that perhaps you've never seen before. And the next thing you know, you're in some trouble. Arkansas, 97th in the country in rush defense, allowing 191 yards per game in rush defense. This is a game where Colin Hill, if Colin Hill goes out and, and, and plays with the same effort that he did last week, and I certainly expect that, this could be a big game for him. And, and State needs a big game for him. State needs to go out there and be able to, to score early in the ball game, run your best plays, get on the field, make something happen. I don't believe we've scored on our first drive since the Southern Miss game. I think that is correct. And for a team like ours that has such a fragile psyche, and Arkansas is in the same boat, you get some adversity in this ball game, and you're going to get that here-we-go-again feeling. That's what I fully expect. One of the things with this group, too, you know, down the stretch, with the season on the line, with the school record bowl streak on the line, there will have to be great leadership at Mississippi State. And some of that has to come from the players themselves. I remember down the stretch in 2016 and in 2013 how those seniors felt saying, you know what, we do not want to be the senior class that ends the streak. We can't let that happen on our watch. A.J. Jefferson, Richie Brown, Nelson Adams, I remember those guys stepping up and saying, you know what, we, we can't let this happen. And then fortunately State was kind of able to slip in there. But there was a sense of urgency down the stretch when you hit the month of November. As you know, hey, this thing's about to run out on us. We've got to come up with a bowl trip. We've got to do what's expected of us. We have to build on the guys that came before us. We can't let us be the senior class that breaks that streak. I believe we're starting to see some of that, at least privately. One of the things that has really hurt Mississippi State this year is you don't have that guy that simply commands the room. You know, John Abram, a huge personality. Jeffrey Simmons, a huge personality. Montez Sweat, not so much the vocal leader, but an emotional leader on the field. Gary Green was the cerebral assassin. Gary Green didn't have the career that some of his peers did. But Gary Green was one of the leaders on this football team. We need a Gary Green type guy right now. People talk about the first round draft picks, Mississippi State lost, and they were all tremendous losses. But missing a Gary Green is as big, if not bigger, than that in some respects because of the fact it was Gary Green, the one that would go and pull the young guy aside and say, hey, young buck, listen, you can't do this. You can't do that. You got to do this. It was Gary Green that called the players only meeting. It was Gary Green on the leadership council that would get defense together. Gary Green would go to Jeff Simmons and kind of get those guys going. And guys like Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons looked up to Gary Green. They recognized him and respected him as a leader. And Gary is a guy that had overcome some adversity. 
as had Montez Sweat, as had Jeffrey Simmons, as had Jonathan Abram. And when you begin to look at what those guys have in common, you know, Gary Green comes back from a what could have been a career-ending ACL injury as a senior in high school. He gets moved around position-wise, but uh, he stuck with it and became one of the most well-respected Bulldogs on the team. Not just in the defense, but on the team. A great ambassador for Mississippi State. Jonathan Abram was a guy to transfer to Georgia. Got over there, Jeremy Pruitt leaves. Next thing you know, he's honored, working on a defense he's not real happy about, and he goes to Jones County Junior College and re- reboots his career. Jeffrey Simmons' issues are well-documented. He could have let that define him and beat him, but he didn't. Montez Sweat goes to Michigan State. Things don't work out. He reboots his career at Colin, Ends up at Mississippi State, becomes a first-round draft pick. I don't think that we've got a lot of guys like that right now that are stepping to the forefront and saying, hey, listen, when the going gets tough, it's tough get going. We've got a lot of guys right now that have kind of benefited from the play of other players. And now that it's their turn to lead, some of them are kind of uncomfortable in that role. But in order for State to have a November to remember and for State to have a winning record in November, because that's what it's going to require, a 3-1 and record in November for Mississippi State to get bowl eligible. There will be no APR exemption this year. But Mississippi State needs leaders. I've heard that Chauncey Rivers has stepped up some as of late. He was a guy earlier in the year that was uh, kind of an emotional leader, but I understand that he has had some of these conversations. That is encouraging. Errol Thompson is a guy that, uh, you know, Errol is kind of a leader by example type, but he's also a guy that I'll go talk to you a little bit. But again, last year, he was one. He was a voice in the room, but he wasn't the dominant voice in the room. He is learning to be that guy. In the secondary, it's kind of a different deal. You know, th- those guys just kind of go about their business. You don't really have a guy back there that is really that big verbal leader. You don't have that guy that other offenses are worried about, if you know what I'm saying. You know, Jeff Simmons, people forget this. When we beat LSU in 2017, Jeffrey Simmons went over – and uh, basically pimp-slapped Arden Key before a ball game. Not physically, but he went over there and kind of slapped his soul around a little bit, started doing his warm-ups over there on the LSU side, and LSU didn't like it. Well, quite frankly, I did like it because I liked the fact that we're showing a little bit of edge. You know what? You guys aren't going to come in here and throw us around and bully us. I think that's part of football. People say, well, you know, Steve, there's, there's no class in any of that. You know, well, listen, you, you, want, you, want, you want class, go to school. There's a way. Sometimes you've got to let people know. Sometimes you got to let your hair down and bow your back up a little bit and say, you know what, you guys aren't better than us and you're not going to beat us today. And one of the things that I have learned about life, whether it be football or work or relationships or whatever, at some point you get tired of getting beat on. Some of the guys last week in postgame said, you know, they were tired of losing. We're tired of the losing. Well, when you get tired of it, you'll do something about it. This weekend is a chance for Mississippi State to do something about it. We can look at it on paper. We can say, well, you know, Mississippi State should do this. Mississippi State should do that. Mississippi State should have done a lot of things. You're going to have the full complement of the roster this weekend, save some guys that are injured. You're going to have your, your Tudor Gate 10 guys available at your disposal. Eager to see what happens with all, all that. I, you know, Again, Lee Autry has already played you know, one more extra game. But we'll see how things shake out in that respect. But Mississippi State 
needs to go put their best foot forward and beat a bad football team. Mississippi State is not a great football team either. We've had some adversity. We've had some things go against us that uh, are not really necessarily football-related. But be that as it may, Joe Moorhead, nobody's going to feel sorry for Joe. Nobody's going to feel sorry for John Cohen. Nobody's going to feel sorry uh, for Garrett Schrader. There's nobody in this league that we've been beating on the last decade that's going to send us a postcard and say, hey, guys, I'll tell you what, wish you well. That just doesn't happen. It's a very unforgiving league. But when you have a chance to go on the road and beat somebody in their own backyard, you have to do it. Mississippi State is not good enough to go up there and get behind a couple scores this year and come back and win. Mississippi State doesn't have the leadership at this point to go up there and go two scores down and come back to win. I still believe Garrett Schrader is a very special player. It's the thing you look at and you say, okay, look at some of the great coaches in the SEC over the years. You know, you go back and even look at Les Miles. As great as those LSU teams were, you know, when you had Matt Flynn, you you won a national championship. You didn't win one with Jordan Jefferson. Matt Flynn was a better quarterback. You know, Arkansas has had some some great teams too. When were they at their best? When they had Ryan Mallett as their quarterback, a future NFL guy. You look at the situation at Auburn. Auburn's had some great teams. But when did they win a national championship? When they had Cam Newton. He had a generational-type player at quarterback. Yeah, you had some other pieces around him. But generally, the way this thing works, we'll see how it goes. You know, I mean, it's like I, I can't go either way. I, you know, I'm, I, every time I get a little bit positive, I'm thinking, okay, all right, we'll go to Tennessee. We'll figure this thing out because what happened at Auburn was an anomaly. That's what you think. Okay, there's no way it can be that bad. And then we go over there and we, we, we just kind of lay down and we don't play well. And then you begin to think, okay, listen, A&M hadn't played well. Kellen Mond has been – somewhat serviceable, and we go over there and make him like a Heisman candidate. I mean, so at this point, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to feel. You know, on paper, I say, you know what, Mississippi State should win the game. But what has concerned me is how bad we've been in the first quarter. If State wins the first quarter, and I've said that several times this year, if State can find a way to win the first quarter, I think State wins the ballgame. If you're interested in picking winners, let me encourage you to go visit our friends at mybookie.ag, longtime sponsors of the Boneyard, longtime sponsors even back when we've been with other companies. They have stayed with us. They are one of those folks that believe that it's where, it's not just who you bet on, it's where you bet. And uh, they're there to take your bet. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code that will save you a little cash. Their promo code is Boneyard. Use promo code BONEYARD. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. That's right. You're right out of the gate. You're playing with some house money. So they're going to match your deposits. You can have twice the fun. MyBookie.ag, promo code BONEYARD, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. MyBookie, fast payouts, easy, 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 easy service. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. So a couple things I want to remind you of before we get out of here. Uh, there are a lot of people that you know have questions about Joe, and I'll, I'll share with you. I need to uh, to share some things. I guess you know it's one of those. There's so many people that have, you know, hashtag sources. You know, when it comes to this kind of stuff. And let me let me just. I just want to play a little devil's, devil's advocate with some of those folks. Okay, uh, 
that there is no way we would make a decision about a coach or about anything of the sort or tell a guy, hey, listen, you need, if you get another job, you should take it in the middle of a season. There is no way that has ever happened in the modern day of Mississippi State Athletics. It just wouldn't happen. And I have people that'll say, hey, well, I read this and I saw that and a buddy of mine said this and I heard that we're going to waive the buyout. There is no way Mississippi State would ever walk away from any money they were entitled to. Guys, we have among the lowest budgets in the Southeastern Conference. We're not going to give away money that's owed to us. Not to mention, we still have an opportunity to get bowl eligible. We still have an opportunity to win the Egg Bowl and the Golden Egg. Do you really think we're just going to mail it in at this point? Do you think Dr. Mark Keenum is that kind of person? Do you think John Cohen is that kind of person that we're going to go and say, hey, listen, hey, listen, we, you know, we, we don't really care about football. You know, just whatever you guys want to do. In midseason, we're going to make those kind of decisions. It makes no sense. I mean, think it through. I know that you got a friend that, hey, you know, he's got a guy that texts him. and he, No, no, no. There's no way. That's not how big business works. That's not how major athletics works. There have been no conversations of the sort. There is nobody at Mississippi State mailing in the football season. That's just not reality. That's not even a good rumor. That's a lie. Anybody that told you that is lying to you. Jim Moorhead is the coach at Mississippi State. I expect him to be the coach at Mississippi State next year based on what we know today. And again, let, let me clarify that. What we know today. Because let's say Joe goes out there and beats Arkansas this weekend. Then a lot of this talk will back down a little bit. Then you go beat Abilene Christian, all of a sudden you're 5-6 and six headed into the Egg Bowl. And you've got an opportunity to get bowl eligible. It all boils down to one ball game. You get that one. Next thing you know, you get a you know ball game somewhere, and you, you take a trip. And let's say you go win that thing. You get some people healthy. You get the full complement of your roster, and you get ready to go play again because the suspensions end with the regular season. And I expect this to be full speed for Ole Miss. But then all of a sudden, let's say you win that ball game. Well, now you've won four of the last five, and Garrett Schrader is becoming a star. And now all of a sudden, your feelings about the season are a little bit different. Your feelings about the direction are a little bit different. Did some research earlier, and I'll share this with you. The last two years, Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State. We went 7-9 and nine in the league. 7-9. and nine. If Joe Moorhead beats Arkansas and Ole Miss, do you know what his record is the first two years? In the SEC, you want to take a stab at that? You, do you want me to give you a second? Do you want to do the math? You must tell you it's seven and nine. You go win these next two. You're exactly where you were in that respect. And there are a lot of times we get all bent out of shape, and we have this revisionist history. Let me say this again with as much respect as I can. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Dan Mullen as a football coach. He changed our expectations here. He changed our culture. He taught us that we could win reminiscent of Jackie Sherrill. He wouldn't he wouldn't run it back down from people. But do you know what Dan Mullen's record was against teams in nine years? Do you know what Dan Mullen's record was with teams that finished in the AP top twenty five poll? Do you know what and just think about it. nine years. We played thirty six games against teams that finished in the AP top twenty five. Do you want to take a stab at what our record was? I'll give you a second. 
It was three and thirty-three. It was three and thirty-three. It reminds me a little bit of uh, as great as things were. It reminds me of Billy Joel a little bit. You know, the good old good old days weren't all so good. We had some huge moments, but we had some other years that were just kind of. Eh. We had we had a, we had a few years kind of like this one, and so we're enduring some difficulty. But there is a quarterback out there that I think that we can build a program around, and that's Garrett Schrader. I mentioned to you guys moments ago about how when you look at you know, the better teams in the Southeastern Conference and these people that made these magical runs, it's because they had a great quarterback. And that's what we had with Dak Prescott. At the end of 13 and 14 and 15, we had arguably the greatest quarterback in our history. And it doesn't matter from the peewees to the pros – Whoever has the best quarterback generally wins the ball game, generally finds a way to win. Dak Prescott found a way to bring the best in other people out. He made people play above their heads because they wanted to match his enthusiasm. They wanted to match his commitment. And that's what Dak did. I think Garrett Schrader has some of those same attributes. I don't know that Garrett is the same vocal leader, and maybe you can't be as a freshman. But I think this is a kid that is willing to put his name on the line, put his body on the line for Mississippi State. I believe we've got an opportunity to build a program around him. I think people are going to want to play with him. I think he is growing up in front of us a year ahead of schedule, and I think he's going to have a good November. I think he is going to begin to write his Mississippi State legacy in November of 2019. As bad as things have gone, it can still end on a very positive note, and that's my hope. And people say, Steve, are we going to a ball game? I'm not ready to make that, that declaration. We've got to go beat Arkansas. Let's go beat Arkansas. And then we'll come back and begin to look ahead and begin to think about those things. But the number one thing now is we've got to get this team ready to go. We're going to meet with defensive players a little bit later. So we get back together on Friday. We'll discuss what they had to say, give you a preview of the weekend. Thursday night, I will be uh, at the Starville Touchdown Club, if you were a uh, Starville Touchdown Club member. Be there, me and Coach Terrell Buckley. We'll be selling the brand-new book, Stark Villains. want to thank everybody that have bought it so far. It's been a tremendous success already. Very, very encouraged with early sales, as are the people around me. Uh, excited for you guys to read these stories. Beginning to already get some reviews from uh, some of you readers, and very excited about that as well. If you haven't ordered a book, you can do so at www.starkvillainsthebook.com, and you can order your Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com. Look forward to seeing you guys out on the book tour. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.